Hi, and welcome to Forest of the Future, the podcast series where we talk about what is evolving in FSE and what innovations are underway in FSE. Today, we're going to talk about risk, or more specifically, we're going to talk about how FSE is increasingly transitioning towards being a risk-based system where we evaluate certificate holders based on a risk category and subject them to different auditing regimes based on whether they're high risk or low risk. What does that mean? How far along in this thinking are we? And how would that be implemented? Those are some of the questions that I have today for my two guests, Mark Jessel, Chief Systems Integrity Officer at FSE, and Elena Terry-Tenover, Program Manager for Supply Chain Integrity. Welcome, Mark and Elena. Mark, can I start with you? Risk modeling. Can you tell us what that is in general terms? So if you just imagine that we've got 55,000 certificates around the world, and they're all in different parts, different geographies, and they're dealing with different products. And essentially, there is a different risk associated with each certificate holder. So what this is about, is about really taking the data associated with these different certificate holders and certificates and enabling us to form an understanding of what kind of category of risk each certificate finds itself in. Mm -hmm. Okay. What would those kind of risk parameters be? What are the risk things we're looking into? Well, we know that there are certain species, for example, uh, that are of a higher value and that may potentially lend themselves to greater risk of false claims. We know that there are certain countries where there is a greater risk of false claims um, emerging from commercial transactions. We know that there are certain product categories also that are more risky. But the key thing really is that we're not just using intuition to determine where this comes from. We're really using data that has been produced through our certification system over the years and looking very specifically at what it tells us about the risk categories that these different certificates find themselves in. So it is designed to be predictive of what kind of level of risk will will emerge. Hmm. Are we the only ones using these kinds of risk modeling? Well, we know that the insurance sector uses these kind of models. When you apply for car insurance, you've been put into some kind of, of risk modeling system and they've determined based upon you know, how much you drive, how old you are, what kind of premium you're going to have to pay. So it follows a similar approach. But within the field of forestry, I'm not aware of people using it in the same way. But what if we then transferred that thought into FSC? What would that mean? How could we do risk modeling in FSC on our certificate holders? So the first thing to bear in mind is that uh, risk is not new to FSC. We already deal with risk in, in at different levels and in different forms. For example, we already apply risk-based actions in a range of different spheres uh, to f- forest management standards. There's uh, a risk-based approach that is applied. And indeed, CBs already use risk analysis to determine the type of audit that they apply to a certificate holder. Mm -hmm. So what does it then mean? What is the new thing that we're doing here? Two things. Number one, this credible model that is based on real data 
historic data that we have acquired within FSC, but also data that we draw from credible third-party sources, such as the Corruption Perceptions Index. So we've got that model that tells us where the risk lies, and we then use it to determine what kind of audit treatment is required in a particular setting. So you can imagine, for example, a standard audit being required in a particular instance, but perhaps supplemented by blockchain in a particularly high-risk setting, or supplemented by wood identification testing applied on a random basis to ensure that there are no false claims uh, slipping into the chain of custody. None of those different treatments have yet been agreed upon, but that is the end state that we envisage. So applying different Mm -hmm. interventions based upon the risk category that a certificate holder finds themselves in. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that we would be putting every single certificate holder that we have through such a wish model and placing them in a category? That is the idea. The whole kind of ecosystem of certificate holders find themselves in a risk category that therefore, yeah, we've got that kind of global outreach um, through through the model. But why do we need such a setup in FSC? What's the benefits to us as a system and, and even to the certificate holders? The key benefit is that it enables us to be more proactive than reactive. It enables us to identify potentially problematic certificates before they commit any wrongdoing. And that is going to be, I think, a game changer. Certainly for chain of custody, we've applied a bit more of a kind of one-size-fits-all approach to certificates. But now that we've grown to the extent that we have, it is entirely justified for us to apply a much more discretionary approach. Elena, can I bring you in here? Because you've worked with supply chain integrity for quite some time now. Maybe you can enlighten us on what is the problem that we're trying to address here? What is the challenge on the ground that we're trying to fix? The main problem is that there are certificate holders that have turned out to be bad actors. And unfortunately, it happens. And despite all the measures that we as a system, as FSC, have, those certificate holders manage to get certified. And after certification, they manage to commit wrongdoings, such as false claims, for example. We are trying to fight both of those actions. First of all, we have developed a tech solution to analyze the applicant's for certification and membership. And the new tech solution is called FSA Check. This is a new approach that helps us to identify bad actors before they enter the system. Mm -hmm. And the second action that we're trying to do with this risk calculation is to understand what would be the behavior and what are the risk patterns of the companies that are already FSA certified. Mm, Okay, let me try and unpack that a bit. We have a fishy check and we actually did a, a podcast episode on that. So we're not going to dive too deeply into that. But what you're saying is that on the basis of FSC check, that would also be factored into the risk category that a potential certificate holder would be placed into? That is the next step. And yes, indeed. So hypothetically, it can be linked to FSA check. But what we're talking right now is the analysis of the existing patents of the FSA certificate holders. As Mark has mentioned, we have a huge data set uh, of current certificate holders as well as terminated certificate holders. So what we're trying to do with this risk modeling is to apply scientific approach in order to understand if there are any similarities 
in behavior of the problematic certificate holders that are deliberately committing wrongdoings. Mm. Okay, how would you get to that? Like, what what are you doing more specifically? We have peer-reviewed two so-called risk calculation models. We are applying science, and I think this is really enlightening and very interesting to see how scientific approach, meaning so statistical approach and mathematical approach, as well as artificial intelligence can help FSC to predict what we call wrongdoing or deliberate bad actions within the FSC system. So as I said, we have peer-reviewed two risk calculation models. One was a statistical one, so-called multi-level logistic regression model, and another one was based on uh, artificial intelligence. Both of them were used to identifying patterns using the certain information about the existing certificate holders and identify whether there are certain similarities between the behavior in order to predict a possibility of forced terminations of a given certificate holder. Hmm, okay. So who developed those models for you? Did you do that internally? or First of all, one of the models was developed in-house. Another model was developed by a statistician. In addition to it, we have commissioned a renowned uh, organization that is focused on statistical analysis and modeling to peer review both of them. Can you say anything about the results? Like, have you been able to identify patterns as, as part of this? There are certain patterns, of course, but that's exactly what we're looking at. Right now, the work has not been finalized. What we have understood is that both models that we asked to peer review, as I said, that's the multi-level logistic regression model and the artificial intelligence model, both of them, they have advantages as well as they have place for improvement. So currently, we're actually looking in a way how we can combine both of them in order to improve our predictions. What is the difference between the two? Can you explain that like in simple terms so I would understand? The statistical model is something that we can see. So this is a complicated formula that is based on um, statistical observations that Power BI artificial intelligence model, where you put certain ingredients and then you don't know what the, how model evaluates them, but at the end it gives you the result. And that is very interesting, again, for us to compare what would be the sensitivity and predictability of both of the models and how well they are actually aligned in their predictions. And that's what we're doing right now. So to get the results from the first one, from the second one, to compare them, whether there are certain similarities and how they work, and to improve both of them. Mm, Okay. So we're working on a model that can help us predict this is the risk category that a potential certificate holder would fall into. And then Mark was talking about risk-based interventions or interventions based on risk. How would that then work, Elena? This is yet to be identified. What Mark also has described is that the identified level of risk would trigger certain interventions. Those interventions, they are to be taken either by FSC or by a certification body or by our assurance partner, ASI. What is this exactly to be is yet to be developed. Of course, we want to have more information about the final outcome of the model, which will allow us to understand what would be the next level of action required by RCBs or ASI. Mm, okay, so what would the appropriate intervention be to address a certain risk? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think this, this is where there's a connection to a lot of the other work streams that we're working on at the moment. You know, for example, the development of blockchain that you've done podcasts on, the development of Wood ID 
technologies that you've also done podcasts on. I mean, all of these can in the future become interventions that are part of our integrity toolkit and that can be potentially mandated based upon the risk category that a a certificate is in. What is interesting here is that FSC has already a lot of risk-based actions in place. This one we're talking about is based on scientific evaluation. It is not manually created. It is not manually identified. This is something that applies statistics and mathematics to predict. And what we're talking about is not a substitute anything of what already exists in the FSS system, but to strengthen it with scientific approach. And I think it's very interesting to see how FSC now goes into undeveloped area of statistics and mathematics in order to strengthen its integrity. And this is really exciting. Yeah, and I can feel the excitement on your voice. Does this mean that depending on which risk category I fall into, I might face different auditing requirements or even perhaps different standard requirements as a certificate holder? Yes, it is possible. Hmm. Mark, is that fair? If I'm a certificate holder living in a high-risk country, that's not my fault. And I've done nothing wrong. You know, it's important to note that the results of the model are going to indicate risk categories. They're not absolute in nature. And there will be latitude for certification bodies to apply their understanding of the certificate holder. Although we're developing this model centrally, it is a model that is then going to be made available to all of the different actors within the system. And we expect them to apply their best judgment based upon their understanding, A, of the risk category and of the specific circumstances that the certificate holder is operating in based on their audits. But Mark, is there is there anything I could then do to lower my risk category or and therefore also lower the requirements that I'm facing? So what's important to remember about the model is that it's not just a snapshot in time, it's a constantly evolving model, which draws from the data that we have in Salesforce uh, that is constantly being updated. So what you can imagine is that over time, as the interventions have their effect, and essentially the performance of certificates improves, that will be reflected in the data that that comes through Salesforce. And that in turn will have an impact on the risk category that a particular certificate or or, or a set of certificates find themselves within. So in the end, it means that good performance and and, and good behavior is, is rewarded over time because it would be reflected in what the model produces. Uh Elena, you talked about how we're developing two different models and we're having them peer reviewed and we're still trying to combine them, etc. What are the next steps? Which kind of timelines are we looking at here? We plan to identify the best way forward by the end of this year. That's when we think that we will have a clear understanding what would be the, the compilation of the two models and if this is something that can be used and applicable to the FSA system. So we're developing the two models for prediction and then we have the interventions running on the side. So it's two simultaneous systems running. Exactly. Based on the level of predictability of the final outcome of this peer review and the development phase, we would understand 
what would be the proposed intervention. So basically, how deep we would like to go with those interventions, whether the results of the model are credible enough for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. How would that then, how would it be and when do we expect for it to be embedded into the FSC system? Are we looking into adaption of our standards or what are we looking into? In theory, of course, it would require some normative adaptations, but this is in the future to come. At the beginning, right now, we're still at the development phase. As I mentioned, by the end of the year, we would have something more tangible and then we would need to consult with our experts on standard development. We would need to talk to certification bodies, to ASI, and then we would need to come up with a more clear understanding how if and when that would end up as a normative requirement. Are you also looking into piloting this in, in the real world, not just in a model, etc.? Uh, of course, we have considered that the results of the model, they would need to be presented to the main implementators of the risk-based interventions, so meaning certification bodies and ASI. And then that would be for us and them to decide what would be the mode of this pilot. So whether there would be something that would be done on voluntary basis, whether we would go into something more concrete and specific. So this is yet to be determined. But of course, uh, this is a good approach. We as FSC do not want to rush into implementation of anything that is not proven. Mark, I, I can't help but wonder, how does this tie into all of the legislation that's coming up, probably especially from the EU? We have the European Deforestation Regulation coming up. We have the CSRD that's requiring for you to really know your supply chain and risk evaluated and provide documentation about your supply chain. Since we're now doing a risk categorization of our certificate holders, does this mean that we're actually helping them do the piece of work that they have to do for these legislations? Are we doing the work for them or am I perhaps dreaming a bit too big for our certificates all this year? So I think the first thing to mention is that we are already right now working to align our FSC standards with EU legislation and with EUDR in particular. Uh, It is not the target of this particular risk calculation model to align with EUDR. And in fact, what we are learning at the moment is that the EU itself is now developing its own risk categorization model uh, that will categorize countries in particular in accordance with risk. And that in turn will determine what kind of intervention is required for the purposes of EUDR. But these are in a sense parallel processes. Now, what's interesting is will we in the future, be able to integrate into our model the EU's risk categorization model. And I think that's entirely conceivable. It could be a future iteration of our risk calculation model, indeed. Mm, interesting. There's a lot of perspective in there. I know that this is all still under development and you're still there's a lot of things you still have to sort out and what are you doing and with it and there's peer reviews and everything. But I have one final question for both of you before we tie this up. And I always like to have people who are in these kind of developmental projects to just dream big for a second and think of the end goal, because I know these processes can probably be pretty frustrating when you're in the middle of them. So if I ask you to think three years ahead, what is your dream for the organization and for certificate holders as a result of this project? What will have happened? Let's start with you, Elena. In three years, I hope that FSC would have a very good historical data analytical 
system in place. We have collected a lot of information about certificate holders, about their work, about certified areas, and so on and so forth. What I hope is that in three years, we can do a very good analysis, probably with the help of this risk calculation model or any other one that will help us to predict bad actors before they commit damage to the system. The impact of this would be that the stakeholders and consumers would strengthen their belief in the FSA system. Hmm. So really dreaming to get rid of the bad actors before they commit anything wrong. What about you, Mark? My dream is that we will, by then, be a bigger scheme with bigger outreach. We will have got significantly closer to our target of 300 million hectares of certified forest, uh, and that a big chunk of that will come from tropical forest. My dream also by then is that actually all of the different elements of the puzzle, the risk calculation model, the blockchain, the wood ID, the GIS technology, that all of these different tools form part of our toolkit and enable us to prevent the problems from happening before they occur, root out bad actors where they are acting against our standard, and that all of this in turn has a a massively positive impact on our reputation and credibility as an organization that upholds a standard associated with responsible management of forests worldwide. That's it. Thank you, Elena and Mark, for indulging my many questions on how we might adapt our system to become more risk-based in our auditing and how requirements would be posed to certificate holders. Let's hope that their big dreams come true, that we in three years' time are much closer to our target of 300 million certified hectares of forests and that we have many more certificate holders in our system. But let's hope that this growth is tied with smart and interwoven integrity measures seamlessly working together to keep our system strong and maintain our position as the most trusted forest certification scheme in the world. Remember to subscribe to Forest of the Future if you want to get notified of new episodes where we dive into other innovations within FSC in the world of certification and sustainable forest management. You can always get in touch with me on podcast at fsc.org. I am Laura Worm, and this was Forest for the Future.